wrestling back, back in the day. You had the good guys and the bad guys. And you knew who was who, mostly because they came out of different dressing rooms. If you didn't know anything else, there was a good guy section and a bad guy section. Good guy door over here, bad guy door over there. Now, behind those doors, there might just be one big dressing room where they all hang out and drink coffee together or whatever wrestlers do before a wrestling match. But at least they came out of different doors. You knew there were the good guys and the bad guys. Have you watched wrestling lately? You don't really know who the good guys and the bad guys are. They all come out of the same door. We've uh, we figured out how to take the teeth out of evil. Now, in my message today, I'm not trying to make you paranoid or to become the kind of person who sees a devil around every corner. Not at all. But I do want you to understand today that we don't live on a playground. We live on a battleground. The Bible teaches us that we have an enemy who wants us to, to destroy us. He, he wants to kill and steal our lives. But thankfully, God's given us a game plan for how to fight a spiritual battle. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. One of, one of the important places in Scripture where God teaches us how to fight against Satan and fight against evil is in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. So let's look in there and read it together. You with me? Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and really, these are sort of the last words he's giving the church. He says, and here's a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And by the way, let me say this too. The church at Ephesus was one of those frontline churches. It's one of the churches in, uh, one of the seven churches in Asia Minor that's mentioned in uh, the first couple chapters of Revelation. I mean, they were in the thick of spiritual warfare. It was just all around them. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the who? Devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, in the heavenly places, that doesn't mean in heaven. That means the places that are above the ground. That means the places that are in the air. There were two places that were very mysterious to ancient people. One is the sea. The other is up in the sky. We might call it space or outer space or in the universe. They, they had no idea what was above what they could see. Paul says, therefore, therefore, because we're in this spiritual battle... Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Now, that doesn't mean in the battle you're not going to be knocked around. It doesn't mean that in the battle you're not going to get pushed around. It doesn't mean that when the battle's over, you're not going to have some cuts and bruises on you, maybe even some big scars. But Paul says that if you'll put on the whole armor of God to fight this war with, at the end of it all, you will be standing firm. Verse 14, he says, stand your ground.
Don't be a spiritual wimp. That's a paraphrase. That's not actually in the text, but that's what it means. It means don't be afraid. It means don't shy back from the world. Don't, don't drop back from the, the evil. And Paul knew this was so important for the church of Ephesus because, again, they're a frontline church. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. How many occasions? Every occasion. Which occasions? Every occasion. That, that means that in the morning when you... I say in the morning, maybe you don't pray in the morning. Maybe you're praying a different time of the day. But in the morning after you pray, that doesn't mean that when you say amen, you just don't talk to the Lord anymore at all. You pray on every occasion. It's really like we're supposed to be in a constant state of prayer. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You mean just the ones that you know? Hmm. Just the ones that go to your church? Mm-mm. Just the ones who vote like you? Mm-mm. Just the ones who are the same color as you are? Mm-mm. Only American believers. Mm-mm. All believers everywhere. Paul says, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. That means it's for everyone. He says, I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. That's uh, quite a message, isn't it? Today's message is is really a two-part message. Next week, I'm going to talk about the whole armor of God and the tools that God gives us, literally, as we go out into battle. But today, I want to get you thinking about the spiritual war that we're in, the spiritual battle that we are all fighting. And... Four truths, again, that would just help you have some context for this spiritual battle. Now, listen, I know that some of you are tempted to think, you know, I just don't believe in any of this hocus-pocus stuff. Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what you believe. What matters is what's true. doesn't matter what your truth is or what my truth is. What matters is what the truth is. The Bible tells us that we are in a spiritual war. Here you go, four truths. If you have your notes out, write these down. Here's the first one. The spiritual fight we face is a supernatural one. It's a supernatural one. 
war. Listen again to what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The evil spirits that are you know, in the sky that we can't even see. You know what that means? It means our enemies are not made of flesh and blood. It means that the, the enemy we face is supra flesh and blood. You know what supra means? Supra means the next level of something. So that's where we get the word super, like superman, supernatural. It's the next level over natural. Our supernatural war is against a supernatural enemy that is one step above what we are as flesh and blood. That means our enemy is not made out of flesh and blood. It's not someone that you can go and fight against with these fists or with some other weapon, some normal weapon you might use to fight against someone. That means that people are not our enemy. We face an enemy that is not made of flesh and blood. But listen, that does not mean that our enemy is otherworldly. This is important that you know this because I think if you miss this, you might miss everything else. The enemy that we are facing off against is right here in this world. And all of us need to recognize, whether we like it or not, we all need to recognize that Satan is in our space. He is in our face. Listen to just a few descriptions from the Bible about Satan. Jesus said that Satan is like a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Think about that. He's no laughing matter. Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy our lives. How does he steal our lives? Most of us, and, and guys, when I say guys, in this case, I don't mean both genders. I mean the males in the room. One of the ways he steals our lives is he gets us sidetracked in life where we end up spending our time and our best energy and the best use of our lives on things that don't matter at all. He wants to kill the joy in our lives. And ultimately, if he could, he would destroy us by seeing us never commit our lives to Christ and spend an eternity separated from God. The apostle Peter, who fought Satan head to head, says in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, he says, be careful. And there's an exclamation point there. Be careful. Watch out for the attacks of the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour Take a firm stand against him and be strong in your faith. And then Revelation 12, 9 says, 
this great dragon. Do you hear these descriptions? Not meek and mild. No scaly suit with a long tail and a pitchfork. He's a lion, a thief, and here a dragon. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. So you need to understand that the battle that we're in is a supernatural one. It's not made of flesh and blood. And we're supposed to take him seriously. Here's truth number two. Write this down. The spiritual fight is personal. It's personal. The, the Greek word that Paul uses here to, uh, to talk about fighting and wrestling literally is a word that means hand-to-hand combat. This means that Satan is not uh, somewhere uh, fighting against us with airplanes or with drones or he's not somewhere far away just sort of impersonally calling the attacks. He's in our face. He's in our space. This is personal. This is hand-to-hand combat. It's personal. And we need to be personal. We need to, to take it personally. I want you to think about this for a minute. Maybe you've never thought about this before. Maybe you have. But don't you feel like you are in a battle? I mean, if you're just being honest. Don't you feel at times like your life is a battle? Think about your marriage. Think think about other relationships that you have. Think about your job, your finances, your, your kids. Think about this country. Don't these things seem to be under attack? Do you feel like you're under attack? Am I the only one? I think most of us, when we really think about it, when we're really honest, we, we realize that yes, we are in a battle. Think about the addictions. Think about the rapes and the ungodly trends that we see in our culture. Where do you think these come from? They come from our enemy, who is Satan. And Paul says in Ephesians that the enemy is the authorities and powers of this world. It is against Satan and his minions. The stakes are high. Men, listen to me. The stakes are high. You and I are supposed to be the spiritual leaders in our home. And when we are not, it leaves our homes vulnerable. The battle we're in is a supernatural war, and it's personal. Here's the third truth I want you to know today. The fight is already over if you fight on your own. The fight is already over if you try to fight this war on your own. When when Jesus and his disciples were gathered up in the upper room for their last meal together before Jesus' crucifixion, 
he was explaining to his disciples that, um, well, he says it this way. Tonight, the sheep will be scattered from the shepherd. And Peter, again, who went head to head in combat with Satan, said, not me, Lord. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Because he knew what that meant. He, he knew that something's going to happen to Jesus and everybody else is going to run away. So Peter just speaks up and says, not me, may, maybe everybody else, but I'm never going to run away from you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And Jesus said, Peter, I'm telling you that before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, before the sun comes up, before the new day begins, you will have denied me three times. Peter talked back to him and said, Lord, not me. And so Jesus says back to him in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Simon, Simon. It's like he gets his attention. He's like, man, you're forgetting yourself for a minute. It's like he, you know, jostles him around for just a minute. Satan has asked to sift each of you like flour. Ever read the book of Job? If you have, you know that Satan could sift us like wheat flour. And that's why Paul teaches us how to fight against this spiritual enemy, how to fight against Satan. So he says in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He also says in verse 13, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. We have to trust in God's tools and in his weapons to protect us and help us to fight against this enemy. In other words, it's not about learning how to fight like a girl or fight like a man. It's learning how to fight like a follower of Jesus. And so in doing that, we put on the whole armor of God. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about all the armor of God and all of these battle tools. But today, I want to give you just a practical tip, something that goes with the theme of what we're talking about. And I'm not exactly sure where it should go in the message, but I'm going to put it right here. Be careful what you laugh at. Be careful about what you laugh at. Don't laugh at evil. I know it might seem like a small thing, but laughing at evil things is just a step closer toward compromising with evil. Laughing at things that are bad and perverse is always wrong. When you start to laugh at something, you start to accept it. Uh, I remember seeing this in the Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. It was a part of Hitler's propaganda war, not just in Germany, but all over the world. And he didn't begin turning the tide of public opinion against Jewish people by immediately making them out to be monsters. 
he started by having cartoons drawn of them where they are mice and cockroaches. What do you do to mice and cockroaches? You exterminate them, don't you? He started having pictures drawn about them in newspapers. At first, just with little pithy captions. And the pictures would be of a Jewish person that had an extra large nose and a big heavy chin. And people started laughing at it, but eventually they began accepting this idea of exterminating the mice, Jews, and the cockroach Jews. How many of you uh, know about the TV program uh, Hogan's Heroes? Yeah, if you're under 45, you might either need to go to TV land or maybe Google it. But I hate that show. I hate it because Nazis were not just a bunch of buffoons like Colonel Klink. The Nazis were cruel, evil soldiers who were filled with hate, and they were led by a hate-filled leader who was fixed on erasing the Jewish people from the face of the earth. And I've been to the National Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and the Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. I've been to Birkenwald concentration camp in Germany. And I've passed by stacks of hundreds and thousands of pairs of shoes and eyeglasses, little ones and big ones. Glasses and shoes that were removed from Jews before they were marched into ovens or gas chambers. I've seen the tattoo lamps that came out of German officers' primary quarters. They're called tattoo lamps because the lampshades are made with the skin of Jewish men who had tattoos and the Germans skinned them and kept it as a souvenir and made these lamps with them. I don't like Hogan's Heroes because genocide is not funny. It's not funny if it's Jews being destroyed. It's not funny for any group of people that are suffering it. Be careful what you laugh at. And then here's the fourth truth, and we'll close with this. There are battles to fight, but the war is over. There are battles to fight, but the war is already over. Satan is still putting up a fight, but he's already lost the war. He he can make life hard on us for a time, but his time is already over. Through the cross, Jesus has conquered sin and death. One of the greatest verses in the whole Bible, and I think you have it in your notes, is John 16, 33. If you don't have it in your notes, write it down. It says, actually, it's, it's Jesus' words. He says, I have told you all of this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. How many of us have had trials and sorrows? Just amen. 
But take heart because I have overcome the world. There are battles left for us to fight on this earth, that's for sure. But the outcome of the war has already been decided. Listen to me. And listen like your life depends on it. One day, Jesus is going to bring all of time to an end. He's going to bring an end to this age. And when he does, he's going to settle the score. He's going to settle all accounts. He's going to completely obliterate evil. But until then, there are battles that you and I have to fight. And we can't ignore evil. We can't just pretend like it's not there. We can't compromise. We can't just scoot up beside it and get comfortable with evil. We have to hate it and overcome it. And do you think it's wrong for Christians to hate things? Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we ought to hate it. And we, as we follow Jesus, ought to overcome evil. So how do we do that? Well, we don't fight the way the world fights. We don't use the weapons that the world uses. The world uses weapons like hate and violence. That's where genocide comes from. But we are to use the weapons of God, which are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, mercy, forgiveness, and justice. We fight the good fight. And while it may sound strange to you, the power of good is greater than the power of evil. And what God says is, I want you to be a part of the resistance movement. As my believers who are here on this earth, you already know what the outcome is like, but I want you to be the resistant fighters here. In World War II, there were resistant fighters in France and Poland and Austria, even some in Germany who, who didn't believe what Hitler was doing and what he was all about. These were the people who were saying, this evil has come against us, but we're not just going to lay down and quit. We're not just going to compromise. We're not going to pretend this is not evil. We're, we're not just going to go along. We're going to fight against this. It may cost us everything. It may cost us our lives, but we are not going to just stand by and watch this happen how many of you have seen the the lord of the rings movies um i love those movies i don't always understand them but i love what the movies are about it's about the ongoing battle between good and evil. And Tolkien meant for it to be just that. He was trying to explain to his children and his students that we live in a world where there is a supernatural war going on all around us and we have to be engaged with it. And in The Lord of the Rings, you have this small hobbit named Frodo who leads a group of resistant fighters. And man, when you look at them, they just look like this little ragtag group of small nothings and nobodies, especially when they're, when they're up against the forces of evil. They're so big and they have these monsters they've created and they have all kinds of artillery and weapons and different things like that. They have soldiers that just seem endless. 
But no matter what, the hobbit stood up against the evil. No matter how tough it got, they wouldn't quit. No matter how impossible the battle might have seemed to be, they just had the courage to keep going. And that should be our story. It must be our story. I pray that in the end, either the the end of our lives or at the end of this age, that we too would be able to say what Paul was able to say at the end of his journey on this earth. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let's stand and pray together. I want you guys to know that as a pastor, I'm in the fight with you. I want, I want you to know whether you're a longtime member of this congregation or you're a regular attender or you're brand new today. I want you to know that we are a front lines ministry kind of church. That we, we are pushing back the darkness. Jimmy, how? All month long, we've been pushing back the darkness in this pumpkin patch out here. Oh, come on. Pumpkin patch? Let me tell you something. That pumpkin patch has never been about produce. It's always been about people. And the hundreds of conversations we have from people all over this community. They come out there to buy their produce. We have an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. There have been opportunities to pray with people this month. People that are perfect strangers. People we don't even know. There are opportunities to invite them to church. And then everything that we make out there, it goes to feed Hungry children, hungry families, and do ministry all over this community. You may not think about it this way just because you don't have the context for it. But tonight at the Trunk or Treat, that's a part of pushing back the darkness. There will be a number of families at church today in one of our three services who traced their first visit to our church back to our trunk or treat and Halloween roast. Because they didn't go to church. They had not been to church. They didn't know what church was even like. All they knew is what they had heard. But then they came, they brought their family, their kids came out, they had a good time. And we were able to invite them to church. Listen, it's not about the party that we're going to have out there today. It's not about the candy. It's not even about the hot dogs, although I do love a good hot dog. It's about reaching people. Just like some of you Monday night, you were here for the Thanksgiving meal that we are providing for people in our community who are homeless or won't have any food on Thanksgiving Day or people in our community who just don't have anyone to share Thanksgiving dinner with. And we're hoping to feed anywhere from two to three hundred people 
that day. That's pushing back the darkness. Let me tell you something. When you bring supplies for my father's house and cooperative Christian ministries, it might not seem like a big deal when you bring toilet paper over or cleaning products that go over to these homes where people are down and out. Some families that end up over there, it's a mom with three kids and she's been abused and has nowhere to go, but she has escaped and they're ministering to her. That toilet paper, that's pushing back the darkness. The cleaning supplies, that's pushing back the darkness. That's fighting the good fight. That's showing the love of Jesus Christ in practical, loving ways. That's what we should all be about. We're going to sing a song right now, just the, just the first and last verses. It's, it's amazing grace. And here's, here's what I'm wondering this morning. I'm wondering if you have personally ever experienced the grace and forgiveness of God in your life. You know, one of the dangers of us being the army of God, so to speak, and going out to fight the darkness is we think we're the white hats going to fight against the black hats. And that's not the truth. The truth is we are the black hats going out to fight for the black hats. Because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. People out there are sinners. We're not going to conquer them. We're going to fight against the evil that lives inside of them and so easily jumps right out of us and comes through in our lives. If Jesus is the bread of life, we are just beggars telling the other beggars where they can find the bread. Have you found the bread? Do you know Jesus? You think about that while we sing. And then I'll lead us in prayer. So, Father God, right now, as we pray to you, 
for the person who is here right now, who's never put his or her faith or trust in you. They've never uh, experienced your grace through your forgiveness. I pray that right now we would just yield to you. So you just say that to Jesus right now. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior. I'm confessing my sins to you and receiving your grace and your forgiveness. Thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me. Jesus, it's in your great name that we pray. Amen. Just a couple of things to remind you of before the band does a, a fun song. Um, this afternoon, our volunteers for the Halloween roast and the uh, trunk or treat uh, be here at 3.15. And uh, Donnie, what time does all the fun get started? Four o'clock. It's going to be a great time. And uh, Donnie, do we need anything? Do we need candy or anything like that? Candy and volunteers. So you can, even if you hadn't planned to, you can be here at 3.15. We could use more trunks as well. Um, This week, I want to ask you to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. It's in your message notes. Read that and pray every morning, every day this week. Spend about 15 minutes in prayer. If you're a first-time guest with us, we'd love to get a record of your visit. So your connection card, if you'll just fill that out at some point before you walk out, leave that in the offering basket. Our ushers are going to be... Uh, at the back, and also thank you for giving your tithes and your offerings. Have a great day. Let, let's have a little bit of fun. I look forward to this every year. Let's do it. Do you need me to sing it? Sure. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Je- Come on. Jussie, Jeff shirt. <laughs> Minions. Love you guys. Have a great week.